Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the eighth episode of my podcast. Welcome to the Seth Markson Podcast. In this episode, I talked to Brett Beebe, who is an ex-professional hockey player. He now coaches one of the best junior hockey teams in the country, the LA Junior Kings. And he is also a real estate agent. He is an Iron Man, and I swear to you, he does not sleep. And I really enjoyed talking to him because he's got that competitor's mindset. He's a high performer, and it was just really fun to dive into his mind. We talk about a ton of different things. We talk about hockey. We talk about sports. We talk about parenting for those kids who do play sports and the sacrifices that they make. We also talk about the values and the lifelong lessons that are learned by playing sports as a young adult or as as a kid growing up. Then we get into something which I think a lot of people will really enjoy, what that transition is like for, or excuse me, from being a professional athlete to becoming a worker in the workforce. Brett also discusses what it takes to become a real estate agent, and he also breaks down the step-by-step home buying process. Lastly, we get into the ethics in the real estate business. This was an incredible conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed, and I think you will too. So here we go. Brett, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. It's a beautiful afternoon, you know, Southern California. Can't really complain. Absolutely. Uh, what about yourself? Life is good. Life is good. Uh, busy day so far, but uh, starting to slow down a little bit here, and then it'll pick back up again tonight. Nice, nice. Uh, what do you? What exactly is it that uh, that's got you so busy? Um, I mean, honestly, it just it doesn't really stop. But um, I I coach youth hockey um, for the LA Junior Kings. I run my own hockey business called rapid athlete development and then my full-time job is a uh, real estate agent here in los angeles wow so you've just got your hands full and you're always always on the go huh someone's always mad at me (laughs) um how did you get started in hockey take me through uh kind of youth and and how that how it started for you sure well I, i grew up in redondo beach which probably isn't the uh hockey hotbed that most people think of when they think of uh of hockey players, but my next door neighbors were older than me and they both played hockey. So, you know, I wanted to fit in with the older kids. So I strapped a pair of rollerblades to my feet when I was four years old and kind of never looked back after that. Oh, wow. And, you know, uh, from Redondo, where'd you end up going? Um, I mean, we, we had a lot of teams here in Southern California that were really, really good, and there's a lot of good hockey programs out here, and it's kind of exploded now that the Kings have you know won a couple of Stanley Cups and the Ducks won a Stanley Cup. Um, but uh, I, I played here all the way until I was 17, left after my junior year of high school to go play in the United States Hockey League in Waterloo, Iowa for two years. Um, played four years at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and... Uh, then I spent some time in the minors in Ontario, California, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Pensacola, Florida, and then spent a season in Hanover, Germany before 
calling it quits about two and a half years ago. So you've been to a lot of places playing hockey. When you got the call to go to Waterloo, Iowa, yeah, how was that feeling for you? Well, I was actually <laughs> drafted to a team in Kearney, Nebraska, which is even a smaller town than Waterloo. Um, but I was I was traded to Waterloo before I ever even you know got there. Um, it was it was a culture shock for sure, but. Um, what people say about the Midwest is absolutely true. The people were so incredibly nice. I still keep in touch with the host family that I live with. They're like family to me. Um, a lot of the, you know, the, the people that were just so caring and, and made my, you know, 17 and 18 year old life over in Iowa, just so cool coming from here. You know, you, you see snow a few times a year if you go to the mountains or, or on vacation somewhere and, in Waterloo, you get home from a bus trip at two in the morning and it's minus 30 degrees and, you know, your car is frozen until it sits for an hour starting. So it was definitely a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I mean, just going from, from California to anywhere else, it, yeah. there's probably a major transition that you have to accommodate to, right? For sure. I mean, it's everywhere I've lived is, you know, is more similar than here. If that makes sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what was that transition for you, kind of going from rollerblades ba- to ice skating? Because I'm sure that there's not like a ton of ice rinks around the area, especially when you were growing up. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's definitely gotten a lot better. The Ducks have actually done a phenomenal job um, buying up a lot of the rinks down in Orange County and really pushing youth hockey, and they've they've done a phenomenal job. And the Kings are starting to get there as well, um, but. But really, I mean, I, I played on an, our first league that we played in was on a, um, a basically a parking lot. And, yeah, and there was a league there. It was in a, in a parking lot at an elementary school in Redondo Beach. And I met some of my best friends there. And, and from that league, they, they, made, they built a little bit of a nicer outdoor rink. And, you know, at that point, the Kings just built their new training center in El Segundo, which is now called the Toyota Sports Center. Uh, the Lakers practiced there as well for a long time. And so when they built that in 99, uh, we decided, you know, we'd all give ice hockey a shot. And, you know, it kind of went from there. And it's, it's actually crazy. From this little outdoor roller hockey league, um, we had like nine guys get Division One college ice hockey scholarships. One of them's, you know, one of the guys has played in the NHL for the last six years. Who is that? Uh, Bo Bennett. He's from Gardena. Um, and, and all of us played together from when we were like five years old all the way up and it's just kind of wild and, and just, you know, all it took, all it took was a, a nice rink being built. And then also just having the accessibility to play roller hockey as kids, which it's not as you know prevalent here anymore. Yeah. I would say that I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I'm guessing roller hockey probably isn't as prevalent in a lot of places just with the growth of so many other sports in the country. And outside of the country too, right? I mean, basketball, yeah. football, uh, baseball, even are they're really growing their their uh, their outreach. And then you have like these other sports too, like ultimate frisbee yeah. and all this other stuff that kids are getting into, right? Yeah, which is awesome. I mean, the more kids that we can get out playing sports and out, you know, away from from screens is you know it's extremely important and. You know, unfortunately, there's a there's a really high barrier to entry when it comes to playing ice hockey. Like it's an expensive sport, um, you know, 
and roller hockey was awesome because it wasn't expensive. Um, you know, there, there used to be a league here in Hermosa beach at, at Valley park. Um, and, and that rink is now gone. There was a rink at Adams middle school in Redondo, which is now gone. And, um, I, I think the only local ones are in, um, Mar Vista and El Segundo, but, you know, from those leagues, so many kids went on to, um, pursue the sport at a higher level that it's just really unfortunate that, you know, people just don't have that same opportunity to get started. Yeah. I totally understand that too, because I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. And at the time there was maybe one ice rink in the entire city. Mm -hmm. I I think it was called Isoplex. Yep. Yep. It's still there. Is it really? Yep. Okay. Awesome. So that was actually pretty far away from where I lived. And I mean, I just, everything else was so accessible. Like there were so many baseball fields everywhere. If I wanted to go play basketball, there were basketball courts, but to play hockey, you know, it was, it was a far drive. Um, you know, it, it just wasn't the big thing. So I think there's probably a lot of cities like Tucson where hockey just isn't as accessible. What would you say to those parents or those parents who want to drive their kids to play hockey or maybe those kids who kind of want to pick up a stick and start playing but don't totally have the availability to, to play? Sure. I mean, there's two routes you can go with it. There's, um, you know, there's the, the fun route and just being a part of, of the sport. And, and there's there's definitely those those house leagues, um, you know, that, that different re- rinks host. And that's for, you know, local kids that just want to, you know, play a game on the weekends and be a part of a team or whatever. And that's amazing. Um, there's always always stuff like that. And the great part about hockey is, you know, no matter how old you get, you can keep playing. Um, there's always men's leagues for the guys that can barely skate all the way up to former college and pro guys. Like there's, there's so much, you know, camaraderie and and whatnot in the sport. Um, but then, you know, to play at a really high level, especially in California, we're not Minnesota, we're not Canada, we're not Michigan where there's, you know, city owned rinks everywhere. Um, almost everything in California is privately owned, which, you know, they've got to make money. It's expensive to keep up, you know, all these baseball fields and football fields and soccer fields that individual cities own, they're not that hard to upkeep, right? But a hockey rink is, is a whole different animal. Um, so, I mean, just on the, 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 the Junior Kings team that I coach, um, they're 12 and under. So these kids, you know, most of them haven't even hit puberty yet. They're not even <laughs> in high school. And, you know, but there's just there's there's two premier teams in California, the LA Junior Kings and the and the Anaheim Ducks at this level. Um, and on on our team, we definitely have some local kids that drive, you know, 15, 20 minutes to practice, but we also have one kid from Las Vegas who drives in or flies in every Friday after school or after homeschool or whatever, you know, he's doing academically. And he practices with us two hours Friday night, an hour Sunday morning or our Saturday morning and then games on Saturday and Sunday and goes home. And we have two kids from San Jose that do the same thing. And it's like, you know, they have committed the time to do this. And we have kids that drive from South Orange County, you know, for an hour practice on, you know, during the week. And, and I'm, I'm sure we've all done that drive, but to commit to that for a full season of, you know, seven months, three days a week is no joke. But the, the one thing is, is, how many 12 year olds commit at an early age to something they're so passionate about. And I think it, you know, parents pay a, a lot of money for this, for the sport, 
but at the end of the day, they're they're paying for you know so much more than just ice time and coaching. They're paying for a commitment and and their kid being a part of something bigger um, that they'll you know be able to hopefully translate into the you know business world or whatever else they decide to do as they get older. Yeah, I kind of wanted to bring that point up. Yeah, um, the fact that say this guy is coming into Las Vegas or he's coming to, to Las Vegas and. Go, taking the four-hour drive or you know the hour flight every single Friday. Mm-hmm. Do you think that kid is kind of getting it drilled into his mind that basically anything is possible? You know, as long as I stay committed. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's certainly one thing. The I think the other thing too is, you know, if if you want to do something great in life, it doesn't matter if it's if you want to be a professional hockey player or if you want to land rockets on the moon like Elon Musk, like whatever you want to do, if you want to be great at it, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of stuff. So, you know, these kids, you know, at 12, there's not a ton of outside things that they have going on. But, you know, in California, the same thing holds true when you get to 14, 16 years old. You know, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss prom. You're going to miss dances. You're going to miss football games. You're going to miss, you know, birthday parties. You're going to miss vacations. You're going to miss you know, lots and lots and lots of stuff. But if what you are doing means that much to you, you know, then, then all that stuff kind of falls by the wayside and, and, you know, you feel good about your commitment and that, you know, hopefully that translates to other things in life too. Once, you know, the game is, is done for you. Do you think that helped you actually, that mindset helped you build your business? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it helped me in a number of ways. Um, one from like a personal growth standpoint, like I would do whatever I could to, to be the best hockey player that I could be. Um, and you know, I'll never say that I was ever the, you know, the best player on my team or the most skilled guy or the fastest guy. But I think most of my teammates would tell you that I was a really, really hard worker and made the most out of, you know, my athletic ability and skill level. Um, and, you know, between, between that and the commitment and then also to just taking a step back as I got a little bit older and realized the sacrifices that my parents made, you know, to, to, to let me achieve this too, kind of helped me realize that there's a way that I could turn around once I was done playing and, you know, help out and be a part of this and pass on some of the stuff I wish I would have known, um, more as kind of, you know, obviously like it's, it's what I know. I, I know hockey, I know, you know, a little bit about business. So that's fun. That's fun for me, but being able to see some of these kids move on and succeed and achieve, you know, things they want to do is pretty special. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it makes, it makes waking up every day pretty fun. And we've talked about this before, but, uh, just so everyone knows, like what, what's your schedule? Like what time are you waking up in the morning? How does your day go? Um, Sure. I mean, I'm, you know, we've talked a lot about hockey, but, you know, real estate is where my, you know, my, that's my full-time thing. And that's, I, I absolutely love it. And so my day is really built around that. And then the hockey is, you know, basically before and after. So I'm up uh, every day at 5 a.m. I get on a 5 a.m. call um, five days a week. It's about a five-minute conference call um, called the 5 a.m. Club with Sharon Trevatsa, who's a genius and 
I get a little bit of morning mojo from him. And as soon as that's over, I'm, I'm, I'm at the rink by 545, uh, usually three days a week working with kids before they take off for school. If I'm not at the rink, um, that's, that's the time I, I'll get to the gym and, you know, get that done first, but I'll knock out all of my, um, you know, email stuff and, and kind of things that I need to get ahead on, um, probably before 9am. And then I'll usually be in the office or working from home on real estate stuff throughout the day, showing clients houses, um, previewing places for them, um, you know, th things of that nature, handling escrows. And, you know, at about, uh, you know, four days a week, I'm at the rink for three or four hours a night. And I usually get home about 8.30, finish up some last minute emails, prep for the next day and shut it down by 9.30. Okay. So you're like the, you're like the Iron Man. And, and how old are you? Uh, 28. Yeah. You're like, you're like the, <laughs> like a young Iron Man just kicking the day's ass. I mean, the, the best part about it is like, I'm, I go all day. But there's never one second of the day in the in the two and a half years that I've been doing this where I've looked at the clock and been like, I wish this, you know, work day was over, which to me, like, I think I've got it so good where I'm I get excited every day to do what I do, whether it's hockey or real estate or, you know, if my friends have a side project going on that they need some advice on or they or they're they're starting up a hockey thing or someone wants to get into real estate or somebody is doing something of interest that I know like I love having the freedom to if I have an hour to jump on a phone call or if one of my buddy like one of my best friends just had his his first kid and and the baby was born in Georgia and like you know being able to jump on a plane and go you know see that or you know I went to seven weddings this summer being able to do that stuff um, just because I know I can I can work from most places and I sort of run everything kind of on my own unless I have, you know, clients that are in need just makes, you know, it makes all the hard work worth it for sure. That's amazing. That's that's incredible. It's kind of like seeing the fruits of your labor, right? Like having yeah. this time to, to do these special things and the ability to actually go out and do them. Yeah, no, I, I mean, absolutely. And the, the best part about both of, both of the worlds that I'm in is that you meet just incredible people and so much of both of them is networking and they kind of go hand in hand like you know most people that know that I coach hockey I, I also let them know that I'm in real estate and so you know if you do a great job at one and somebody needs help with the other like they're going to trust you they're going to be you know this guy works with my kid and he does a great job with my kid and he's professional and he's on time and he and, and he, he does all these things. Look, if I'm in the market for a house, I know I can trust this guy with my kid, which is, you know, pretty much any family's, you know, number one priority. It should be, you know, number two is where are you going to live? So, I mean, I, I, I think that being able to handle a lot of people's number one and two priorities is a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really cool thing. And, and it's a pretty big responsibility to take on for yourself, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, parents, you know, real estate wise, um, you know, it's it's 99% of people's largest financial transaction they're ever going to make in their lives. And there's, you know, thousands, if not millions of dollars in play. And 
if you make a mistake, the, the first person they're coming to is you. And so I don't take that lightly. And I'm grateful that people have given me their trust, especially as, you know, kind of a younger guy in this, in this world. Um, I've been very fortunate to have some awesome clients that have trusted me with, with helping them buy or sell a home. And, you know, the same goes for, for hockey. It's like these people have so many options of coaches to, to work with. And there's, um, you know, so many great, great coaches out there who do a great job. And, you know, so for them to pick me, um, means the world to me and I don't want to let them down. So, you know, both worlds, it's, there's a lot of pressure, but I think as an athlete, like we talked about earlier, you learn those lessons. Like I, I wanted to be the guy that was relied on in an important game. I want to be relied on when somebody has a big transaction they need to make or, or the responsibility of helping their kid develop into an elite hockey player. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously a lot of people can't see us while we're talking, mm-hmm. but you can just see the, the passion like coming out of you yeah. while, while you're speaking this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I, you know, both of them, you know, help me financially, obviously, but you know, to, to say that I'm, I'm doing either of them for just a paycheck is, you know, the farthest thing. I remember, you know, I had my, my first job when I was 16 while I was going to high school and playing AAA hockey was I got a job at In-N-Out. And, <laughs> you know, it's hilarious, but like they paid the most. They were the, they were the most, they were the, you know, the only job in town that would pay you more than minimum wage to, to do, you know, something as a 16 year old. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go work for them. And, you know, like I always was like, you know, the only reason I'm doing this is so that I can have enough money to do what I want to do. And, you know, granted it's, it was really hard. Those, I don't know how many times you've been to in and out, but like those people work their asses off. And, you know, it, it also taught me though, that like, I just don't want to just be doing kind of repetitive tasks every day for eight hours and just doing it for a paycheck. Cause at the end of the day, you're trading hours for dollars. So if the hours that you're trading are hours not well spent, then, you know, that's not something that I wanted to do, but I, you know, again, that had, that's not a knock on anybody that does those things cause they're meaningful, but, but I just wanted something a little bit different. And I mean, that's an awesome perspective to have it going into, any endeavor, right? I mean, I kind of want to transition this into when you figured out that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to play hockey professionally anymore. And you had this decision you had to make on what you were going to do next. Where where are you going to spend the next hours of your life that you put into being on a hockey team? Yep. You know, what was that like for you? Well, I think the, the biggest thing that, athletes in general don't do and you know or at least in my experience and I think it's why a lot of people it doesn't matter if you play the game for millions of dollars a year or if you played for you know a a few thousand dollars a year in in the minors and I, I think it equates to a lot of professions even like military you see a lot of guys that have a really really difficult time transitioning out of the military into civilian life um, or, or athletes into, you know, regular life where your days aren't planned out for you, where, you know, your end goal isn't the easiest thing to figure out every day. The, the biggest thing that I think I did as soon as I was done playing was I asked for help. I asked for guidance. I asked for 
you know, people that were close to me for their mentorship and for their, you know, their insight. And I took a look at a lot of different opportunities and options from like medical device sales to, you know, startups to, you know, basically anything you can think of. I probably looked at it and I had already started my own little hockey business while I was still playing. So I, I really enjoyed being around the kids and I was like, maybe I'll take a year to just coach hockey and see what opportunities kind of come find me. And in doing that, I got a great opportunity with a guy named Scott Yorkison up in Simi Valley who gave me an opportunity to coach a really high level team. And I fell in love with that. And then a close friend of mine, Ryan Shaw, who's one of the top real estate agents in the South Bay, reached out and was like, dude, why don't you, why don't you come shadow me? See if you like this. And he's like, I think you'd be a good fit. If you like it, you can join my team. I'll teach you everything that I know. And, you know, hopefully you'll be able to crush it. And so I, I followed him around for like a month, got my license and have just absolutely loved every minute of it. And, you know, eventually that's probably going to be the only thing that I focus my time on. But right now I'm 28. I don't have a family. I'm, you know, I have the time. So I'm trying to make an impact on kind of the next generation of kids in, in, and then, you know, in kind of a selfish way, it also, you know, puts money in my pocket and I get to play hockey, which is, and coach, which is, you know, pretty amazing. Um, so, I mean, just being able to ask people that I trusted for help and I still talk to, you know, people that are successful are my favorite people to talk to. And I read lots of books, you know, from different entrepreneurs and success stories and, and, you know, you know, coaching books and, and things of that nature. And, and, you know, it's just kind of shaped into where I am today, which is, you know, I'm not where I want to be yet, but definitely happy with, you know, how things have gone so far. What are some of those books that you're reading or that you'd recommend other people read? Uh, Tim Ferriss is my guy. Um, I've, I've read everything he's put out. Um, I, I'm, I follow his podcast. I get his emails. Um, Sharon Shravatsa's 5am call, which is seven days a week. I just, I only do it five days cause I like to sleep in a little bit on the weekends if I can. Um, and uh, another book that's that's out right now is called Man Up, which is what I'm reading right now, which is just a phenomenal book. By I'm, I know I'm going to butcher his name, but it's uh, Bedros Kulilian. Um, and just, you know, uh, I, I also ask, you know, different people that I trust for, you know, their reading lists or, or what they do. And I constantly try to have a book going and... Um, you know, Tim Ferriss always recommends something that he's reading and he hasn't recommended anything bad to me yet. So now do you, uh, do you watch TV or, or do anything like that? Or are you like when, when you have free time, if yeah. that's, if you ever have free time, are you, are you in the books? What's going on? What's... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't watch much TV. Uh, I'll do the occasional, uh, occasional Netflix. I'll do the, you know, I'll watch it. I'll watch you know, some hockey games or stuff like that. But normally when I get home, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes just, you know, crash into the couch and I'll, I'll throw something, you know, mindless on. But, you know, I like to read for sure. Um, Game of Thrones, definitely my show. I've watched <laughs> every episode since day one. Uh, other than that, though, I don't really, I don't really keep up with, with too much of that stuff. I don't really watch the news at all. Um, I think probably my worst habit is, is social media. If I find myself, 
sitting doing nothing, I automatically pick up the phone and, and, you know, scroll a little bit, which probably takes up a little bit too much of my time, but that's, that's probably my, my one vice, I guess. And you're probably not alone with that. So it's probably okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I could, I could definitely, uh, you know, probably, probably delete them for like eight hours a day and it would help my production a little bit. Right. Right. Well, so with all this that you have going on, I mean, you, you're a young professional, 28. What's kind of your goal for the next couple of years? Where do, where do you see yourself going? Sure. Or I what mean, do you want to get to? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big thing that, that I think everyone craves is, you know, being happy in what, in what you do and, and not being unsure of where your next paycheck is going to come from. So I, I think I've achieved one of two, which is I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. Um, I would love if it was a little less sporadic where I wasn't, uh, you know, on the real estate side of things, you know, some months are unreal and then other months you're like, all right, well, am I ever going to get another commission check? So, um, I'd love to, you know, kind of get that business, um, a little more steady. It's, you know, a little bit more sporadic than I'd like, but from, from a hockey side of things, um, it's almost on autopilot at this point. I've, I've got some awesome, awesome guys that work with me and I've kind of passed on my curriculum of how I like to run things to them and getting to the point now where, you know, I may not have to be at everything that we do hockey wise, but still get the same message and coaching and training and everything else onto the, you know, all the kids that we work with. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, growing up playing hockey, and then running your own hockey business, you kind of know the ins and outs of of hockey, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to teach someone or a kid what to do, I think you've got a pretty good grasp on that. Go Going into real estate, did you have any idea on how it all works, or is this kind of like so that's, all new? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the funny thing about about real estate, especially in a market like Los Angeles and, and Southern California is like, you know, when I first started, you know, one thing my boss told me, he goes, you know, you're, you're a real estate agent now. He's like, but when you tell everybody this yesterday, you were a professional hockey player and a hockey coach. And today you're a real estate agent. Why should anybody trust you with their business when there's people that have been established doing this for 30 plus years? And like, I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me that before I got my license? Because <laughs> then I would have just scared myself and not even thought about getting it. But that's kind of what set the ball in motion for me is like, how can I differentiate myself from all of these other people? And, you know, I think real estate agents get a bad rep sometimes, you know, they get you know, the, you know, they get called used car salesmen or they're pushy or they're this or they're that. And, you know, if you've had a bad experience with one of them, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And then there's lots of people that have no idea what they're doing, but there's also some people in this business, in this industry that are incredible at what they do. Um, you know, on the, on the small side of things, like you have a guy like Ryan that I work with who, you know what, he's, he's, He's not the guy you see on all these TV shows. That's the the big personality with the you know with the five thousand dollar suit and the hundred thousand dollar car or whatever. But there's nobody out there who 
unanimously has clients that will tell you that, that this guy has done the best possible job for them that he could do. And, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're, whether you're selling a billion dollars a year in houses, or if you're selling, you know, 20 million, or if you're selling a million, like, you know, you're only as good as, as the service you provide. And I think learning from him and what he teaches me day in and day out, you know, I've picked up a lot more than I think most people have in, in only 18 months in the industry. And was that, was that difficult for you to, to learn something, Yeah, learn, well, learn all this and like, and be comfortable you, in, in doing this? Yeah. I mean, like most, you know, you look at, you look at, you started, you start a job, you start a job anywhere in a, at a major company or a major corporation or, you know, whatever it is, even a, even a startup or something like that. You know, normally you're going through a three to six month training period where you're learning the ins and outs of, of the company and what you're selling and how you sell it and all this stuff. In real estate, anybody can just go take a th- you know a three month class and get your license. Like that's really all it takes to to do that. Um, I finished the class and I was like, well, I have no idea if that helped me out or anything. And and so yeah, the learning curve has been really difficult. Learning all the contracts, learning you know all the ins and outs, and and how to price things in the market, and how you know how to. The, you know, different strategy, marketing, all that stuff. You're your own boss. While you, you know, you work for a brokerage, you, you're technically, you know, your own boss. If you don't want to work, you're not going to make any money. Um, and so just learning, being being able to learn from somebody that's as successful as, as he's been has just been, you know, in, an incredible experience. And I'm very lucky. I definitely, if I tried to do this on my own, I probably wouldn't be in the, in the business still. Got it. Um, are there... Are there like three rules or five rules that that Ryan shared with you that you have to that you should stick by if you're getting into real estate? Something like I mean, that. I mean, the, the the biggest thing. I mean, the biggest thing that 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 he is that he's always always stressed is is one. He's like, don't try and get into this alone. Find somebody that's good at what they do. Work with them for a while, and then when you're ready, you, you can go out and do your own thing if you want to. Um, but in, in this business, you know, there's so much money riding on it. There's so much liability. There's so many contracts. There's so much stuff. It's really just, you know, cover your ass. Make sure that, you know, you're doing the right things and you're getting it in writing. And I think that goes for, you know, just about any business or, or venture. Like you, you want to make sure that, you know, you're ethical. You do things the right way. Um, you know, your reputation is more important than a paycheck for sure, especially in this industry, like it's, it's pretty cutthroat, you know, people, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's an analogy that I've heard used a hundred times in this business, but it's any sales really is you, you only eat what you kill. And that's, it sounds harsh, but it's true. And like, I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way. Like my, my clients are prey by any means. Like my clients are my friends. We have dinner with our clients all the time. We, stay in touch with them. We go to, you know, you know, baby showers and we go to wedding anniversaries and we do all that stuff with our clients because they become friends. And I think those are the people that are going to bring you more business. The people that they trust you, they're, they're now friends. They're going to refer you. So it's more important than, you know, one deal doing it the wrong way is, is far worse than, 
you know, you know, is, is, is much worse than, you know, ruining your, your reputation and, and all that stuff. So right. that's one thing he stresses to me for sure. That's awesome. That, I mean, it sounds like you have a, a great mentor while yeah. you're, while you're Absolutely. doing this. Um, I just find it really cool that you're going to these baby showers, you're going to these dinners and everything. And it doesn't sound to me, I don't get the vibe from you that you're doing it because I don't know, you, you're trying to make this sale. It just seems like you're genuine, genuinely like interested in these people yeah. and you know, you want to, you just want to be their friend or, you know, help really help them out if you can. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, th- through the last 16, 18 months that I've been doing this, you know, my number one clientele has been first time home buyers. So, you know, younger, younger clients that are, you know, they're thinking, oh my God, how am I going to own one of these homes? Number one, two, what is the process that does it? And three, like once I have the keys, like now what? So, um, you're walk, you're walking them hand in hand through the start of the process all the way through the end. And then you're, you know, you're helping them as you go along too. Um, and you know, you're in touch with these people for, you know, the escrow period alone is usually a 30 to 45 day period. And it's very stressful. And and just, just so you can spell that out because some people might not know what the escrow period is. What is that? So that, yeah, good. I appreciate the explanation. Um, so the escrow period is from the time your offer on a home is accepted until the closing date. And, and a standard escrow is 30 days, but they can be as long as, you know, 60 or more, um, you know, days, but for the most part around here, 30 is standard and, and, you know, can be shorter depending on the deal. But, um, but there's, there's different things that need to happen all the way through that. And homes can fall out of escrow very, very easily, um, based on, you know, inspections or findings. And that can be stressful. You, you think you've found your dream home and it's everything that you want it to be. And then, you know, during inspections, you find out that the foundation is going to cost $150,000 to replace or the house might fall down in five years. And now you're like, well, we can't do that. So we pull out escrow and you're back to trying to find another dream home. And once you're, you know, imagine, imagine, you know, going to buy, you know, an amazing, let's say suit or guys go to go to buy a suit and we got our heart set on this one. We finally commit to it. We put a deposit down on it and we're going to put, the rest of the money into it, you know, in, in 30 days, once it's done getting tailored and fit exactly how we want it. And 15 days into it, we're almost there. We we're about to get this, you know, phenomenal suit that we've been eyeing for years and years and years. And we're finally have enough money to buy it. And then the tailor says, well, you know, I'm going to do all this work and it's, and it's going to be, you know, the best suit you've ever worn, but you know, you're only going to get to have it for, a year before it rips just because of, you know, how the, how the, you know, this, this material is made. And you're like, well, I don't want that suit now. And now, you know, you're, you're heartbroken and you're, you know, you're bummed that all your hard work isn't actually going to go to this and you got to find something else and you got to walk these people through kind of that heartbreak or maybe they put an offer in and it didn't get accepted. And you're like, you know, back to the drawing board and, and sometimes they get frustrated. They think maybe somebody else can do a better job, but you know, at the end of the day, you've, you've got a, you know, a, a real, it's, it's more than just buying and selling. You're also a psychiatrist and you're also a, 
you know, a, a hostage negotiator and you're also <laughs> a million other things. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. So more than just hockey and real estate, you're wearing all these other hats as well. <laughs> yeah. I think at this point I've, I've been able to handle just about anything. You get every type of person from every walk of life. You've got parents who think their kids at 12 years old, they're going to the NHL in two years and you've got, you know, um, you know, you've got clients that are, that want to buy a home that think, you know, the, the mold issue in the home is my fault. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to, you've got to be, you've got to be very, very pliable, I guess. And just, you know, not let things affect you too much. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm sure your, uh, your career as a hockey player has definitely helped you with that, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that probably broke a lot of bad news to me and, told me no more times than I wanted to hear but I you know you can either let that that no be the last no that you hear or you can find a yes Mm -hmm. and that was you know a big part of my hockey career and now a big part of my you know life in the business world well what's what's great about hearing that as an athlete myself um I hear it more times from athletes than any other uh person who did anything else that you just keep going yeah not just in sales the 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 no thing like Mm -hmm. no 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 try to find that yes but athletes in particular just keep going because we've been beaten up we we've lost you know it's not learning how to lose but it's learning how to get better from that loss and and literally keep striving for for the for better or for like the next best thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the great things I've, I've seen in, in, you know, some of the stuff that I've read and it kind of gets repeated over and over again in different, in different, you know, phrases and words, but is I either win or I learn. And, you know, if something that's, that's sort of the beauty of, of athletes and why I think a lot of people like to hire athletes is um, if something doesn't go right the first time, they're not going to just collapse or they're not going to shut down. They're going to find out what works. Like you look at, you know, the, the best fighters in the world, like ultimate fighting guys or, or, um, you know, if they lose a fight, they're, you know, most of the time they're not going to quit. They want to rematch or they're ready to, to work their way back, whatever it takes. And they're going to, they're going to figure out what didn't work in that first one. And they're going to, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again. And, uh, you know, same thing in, in basketball, you know, Michael Jordan missed more game winning shots than he made, but, you know, he's, he always said that, you know, missing those shots set him up for the ones that he did make. And so, you, you know, you, you can take, you can take those, you know, times where you failed and dwell on them, or you can work, you know, you know, take that three pointer a hundred times a day so that, you know, next time you have that opportunity, you're going to hit it. Got it. Got it. Um, I don't want to ignore the fact from earlier when you said that that a lot of your the people who buy houses from you are a lot of mm-hmm. first time buyers. So a lot of people that listen to my con- my podcast, um, a decent amount of them are are younger people. Mm-hmm. You know, could you walk me through that process of being a first time buyer and sure. like how would how you would approach that? Sure. I mean, I think. The, obviously, the American dream is is to to get the job, to have the family, to own the house. 
Like that's that's been synonymous with with America for years and years and years. And I think everyone dreams of owning 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 the house. It doesn't matter, you know, where you live or what you do, but being able to call something you know your own. So, you know, let's say that that you know you've been keeping an eye on the housing market. You've been seeing what homes are going for and 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 you're like okay I think you know I'm in a place financially where buying a house makes sense so what the next steps would be is hey my name is Brett Beebe I'm a real estate agent with Douglas Elliman in Manhattan Beach you know you you are x person who does let's say uh wealth management for uh a bank and I'm like, hey, have you gotten pre-approved with a lender to find out how much you know you can spend on a home? Well, no, I haven't done that yet. Okay, well, here, here's step one. Let's go to have you talk to a lender. Usually you provide two years worth of tax returns, income. Basically, it's a pretty invasive process since the you know, kind of housing collapse in 2008, 2009, um, where people were just handing out loans. Um, you know, based on nothing other than your promise. And we saw what happened there. So now they dig pretty deep into your financials and they'll give you a number. Let's just say, you know, since we're in LA, let's just say a million dollars. You can spend up to, a, 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 you know, a, you can get a loan for up to a million dollars. So you tell me which areas that you really, really like, what's important to you in a house. We'll sit down during this time, have a meeting, talk about, you know, the, the home buying process you know, a, a basically what goes into all the documents that you're going to encounter during an escrow when you put an offer in and it's accepted. What, what are all those documents? How long do you have to do, you know, inspections? How long do you have until your, you know, your loan has to be funded? All of those different things, we're going to sit down and go through those step by step so that you leave my office feeling super comfortable about the home buying process. And that's when our, our search starts. We, you know, we rely on our clients to, you know, send us a few things from, you know, with, from Redfin, from Zillow, from all those things, like all these home buying sites that are readily available to the public. And then we'll send them stuff on our side too. And, and we'll start to put together a list of what people like and don't like. We'll take them to see some places. And if they decide that they love one of them, then we put an offer in on it. And, you know, hopefully it gets accepted and then we're in escrow. Got it. Okay. So the process isn't as, as, I don't know, um, it's not as stressful or crazy as, as one might think. It's It's, just step by step by step by step. Yeah. And I think that the, our initial meeting, um, Ryan uses a term that he'll probably get mad at me for sharing it, but, um, but it makes complete sense is it demystifies the whole home buying process. Like this isn't some, you know, it, you know, you're not breaking into Fort Knox essentially. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty straightforward process, but it's a lot of money, and there are a lot of steps involved, and there's costs that are unexpected and things like that. But once you meet with us and you sit down and you realize, like we're not, we're not some, you know, cookie cutter real estate agents that are sending you flyers to your door with a chili recipe on the back of it or, you know, stuff like that, that some of these people do. Um, you know, it's a, it's a professional 
experience. And we're, you know, we are here to provide, you know, this incredible service to you. And so when you leave our office, you are prepared for what you're about to encounter or like, you know, as an athlete, like I, I equate, I equate to our initial meeting as the coach coming in the room and giving you the pep talk before the game and breaking down the game plan for how things are going to go. And then the home search is the game. And then, you know, everything else is just, it's part of that, you know, part of the process is, is, is the game. The, the, the first quarter of the first period is the home search. And then the second period is getting that offer accepted. And the third quarter or third period is the escrow process. And then you finish the game by getting that, getting the keys at the end of it. And that's, that's my, you know, that's where my sports background comes into play. And I'm sure that didn't just, you know, uh, you didn't have that right off the bat when you started doing real estate. I'm no. sure this is kind of like a process that is, it doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing in life. If you can turn it into some sort of competition or, or some sort of game, not only is the time going to go by faster, but the work is going to become more meaningful. Um, you know, the, the book I'm reading now called Man Up by, by Bedros Kulili in there, he talks about how he was a, uh, a bus boy at Disneyland when he was, you know, a, a, a teenager in his early 20s. And it, it went from, you know, you know, just being a busboy to seeing how many dishes he could clear in one shift or how quickly he could get the entire dining room cleaned up. And he would time himself or he would count how many dishes he could collect at once and try and beat that every time that he worked. And he turned it into the most meaningful work that he possibly could. And at that point, the time starts flying by and you get into that zone. So it doesn't matter what you do. If you find a way to make it worthwhile and and love what you're doing then you know i there's there's you can do anything and and have fun doing it now i'm probably gonna mess this up but do you do you read anything on flow state or no yeah well yeah i do know about flow state and getting into that into that flow and and uh you know when you're when you just when everything seems to be clicking and you're unaware of everything going on around you except your task at hand and that's it's sort of the same thing, right? I was gonna say, I bet you know, yeah. having that that mindset of okay, I'm gonna make this into a competition, and I'm gonna try and beat my last time or beat yeah. this for myself. You probably help yourself get into a state of flow. No, hundred percent, and hundred percent, and like, and the other, the other thing with that too is just, um, is if if you know you you have to know your goal, you have to know your why, why you're doing things. Um, if if all you're doing things is for a paycheck it's going to be pretty miserable work. But if you have a, a why behind what you do, whether it's providing for your family or, um, you know, it could be for me, the hockey stuff, my, my why is the, the kids that we work with. Like if I was just getting a paycheck at the end of the month or, you know, at the end of the hour of a private lesson and that's all I cared about, people would find other people to work with. You know, there's an, there's enough people out there with their handout that'll sit there with your kid for an hour and put them through some drills. Like I, if if your why is that you want to help this kid reach their ultimate goal, then that then that time that you're working with those kids flies by, and it's meaningful and you're prepared for it and you care about it. Same thing with with real estate. My why isn't how big's my commission check at the end of the month. My my why is the is the reaction that 
my clients have when you hand them the keys and a bottle of champagne and say, congratulations, you just bought a house. Like to me, that gratification is so much better than the, than the paycheck you get at the very end. That's your, that's your plus. And I think, so that's why I don't ever look at the clock and why I don't ever say, I wish I had, you know, more time. Yeah, you, you do. You miss out on weekend activities or travel and stuff like that sometimes. But, you know, I, I don't know of anything else I could be doing right now that would be as meaningful as the two things I get to do every day. See, man, that's incredible. That alone just, just means like you're winning, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah. And not, not to like, not to toot your horn, but no. there's so many people that I'm sure you know and tons that I know that's, that are still, you know, um, endlessly trying to find something that they're passionate about yeah. and not go to their day jobs day in, day out and feel miserable. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, people who are 28, 29, 30, even, even younger or maybe a little older, right? Yeah. And, and you've somehow been able to find a way to really uh, find something motivating for yourself in two different areas of your professional life. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, but again, it goes back to just defining why you do things and and what's your reasoning behind it. Like, there's people that make millions and millions of dollars that are absolutely miserable at their jobs or they're miserable in their home life or whatever else. Like, you know, we only see a lot of times with social media and the internet and, and how people portray themselves, we a lot of times only see the, the good things. You know, people aren't posting on Instagram or Facebook when they're, you know, at their darkest times for sure. And, you know, so I'm not saying my life is like the most perfect thing ever. Like I definitely could have a better work life balance, but in a, in the sense of my work, I truly have a lot of pride in what I do, but, but it doesn't matter again. Like it doesn't matter, you know, you're in the service industry. I'm sure you see, you know, it, 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 I'm sure you see a ton of people that you either work with or that, you know also that are in that industry, whether it's part-time or full-time, trying to make a few extra bucks or if they're trying to be a head chef somewhere. Um, you see people that are probably miserable from day to day. And, but if you, if you have a purpose in why you're doing things, like if, you, if you're a server at a restaurant and your goal isn't just to make 10 bucks an hour and hope that people also tip you and, or whatever else, I, you know, but it's that you have a positive interaction with every single person that you serve that day. Not only are you probably going to end up making more money because people are going to feel that, but you're also going to end your day being like, you know what? I had 20 tables and I connected with 15 really great groups of people. The other five, you know, you're, you know, I'm sure you deal with people in there who no matter, you could bring them a pot of gold and they'd still be mad at you for something. Mm. But you know, you, you know, you could have those positive interactions with people and it could make your whole day worth it. And that's what gets you out of bed to, to go to work that day. And, you know, it may not be the, the 50 year life plan, but like, if you know that your end goal is being in the entertainment industry or being in TV or, or having the best podcast in the world or whatever else it is, if you know that, that, you know, you need to, you know, you need to be doing this to make enough money to be able to fund what you want to do long term. You know, you're going to find a way to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, it's, you know, you're going to burn out. And you're going to have to do something else. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And 
that's the thing. It's like find what drives your passion, right? Yeah. Dude, I mean, like, you know, it, it, it could be anything. Like for me, for me, you know, hockey is a, is a way to – started coaching as a way to make a few extra bucks so that I could figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And now, then it turned into, I'm just getting started in real estate. So the checks aren't coming in all the time. So I need to make, you know, some money to make sure I can pay the rent and the car payment and, you know, be able to have a couple of beers on a Saturday night and go to a couple of weddings. You know, that's, that's what it, you know, kind of evolved into. And now it's, you know, it's a, it's a steady stream of income, but it's also being able to impact these people. And I just can't see giving that up, even though the real estate thing is starting to, to go better right now. Um, you know, so it's, it's all about just, I, I don't know. I wish I, I, it sounds like I have all the answers, but I, I don't have nearly as many as I wish I did. But like, again, it goes back to just enjoying, I guess, what you do and how you do it. That's awesome. That's seriously awesome. Um, I guess the, the, the one last question I would ask is what would you tell someone who is, chasing their dream or chasing something that might seem huge but you know it's it's eventually like what they want to do that's like what they find as their success what would you say to that person there's no perfect time to get started and even the wrong action is better than no action like you know just taking a stab at something and hoping for the best and just at least you know, if you've got the idea to start a company that, you know, pr- produces, you know, anything, it doesn't matter if it's widgets or if you have some sort of, you know, crazy um, app that you want to start, just talking about it and putting stuff down on paper and, you know, telling your friends about it isn't going to get it started. But, you know, if you go meet with an app developer and you go meet with, a couple of people and you start putting some stuff into, into, into works, into the works, like, you know, and, and you find out that the way you want to do it might not work right away. Well, at least you found that that particular Avenue might be closed off, but how do you evolve that? How do you, you know, answer the, you know, get the answers to the questions that you have without at least giving it a shot? Cause I think you're, if you, if you don't act on anything, you're, 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 the the pain of regret is going to be far worse than the pain of failing at it or the wondering like what if so i think just getting started it doesn't matter what it is just getting started and then even taking that mindset you know you don't lose you learn yeah you right yeah, like for like sure. that avenue might not be completely closed off yeah because you can learn from how to you know get better from from your uh from your take at that yeah and, i mean do, do better the next take I mean, you look at, you know, again, I, I dive into a million different things every day and, you know, I love tech and I love the tech industry and I love learning about what's going on in our, in, in the world that, you know, that, that what people are accomplishing now in the, in the tech world is, is mind boggling. And that doesn't, you know, that's not just apps and stuff like that. Like your, you know, your Instagrams and your Snapchats and all that stuff. Like everyone sees the glamorous side of those things, but there's so much stuff out there that people are doing. And I dive into that world a little bit um, and learn about, you know, investing and, and stuff like that and into, into those things. And you, you see a lot of, you know, athletes and 
you know, music people and, and actors and stuff like that, that are angel investors in some of these tech startups and, and things. There's, there's just, there's, there's, there's so much out there, um, in, in that world. So, I mean, I kind of, kind of forget where I was, where I was going with that, but, <laughs> but like, you know, just, you know, we're like diving into like so many different things yeah. every day and yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, seeing that world is, is, you know, I, again, kind of, kind of losing track of where we were going with that, but I, there was, there was a point to be made there. Almost like always learning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, always, le- sorry. So you, you look at those guys and, and, uh, sorry, I apologize. I lost my train of thought there, but, but, you know, I, I, I go to a lot of these tech conventions and learning about these people that are investing and stuff and like, you know, investing in, in, in venture capital and investing in some of these things, they put a, a bunch of money into a ton of different companies and hope that one hits you know, for all of your, you know, for all of your Ubers and, and Snapchats and, and things that have gone public and made people millions and millions of dollars, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other ones that failed. And, you know, a lot of these people that have invented the bumbles of the world and, uh, you know, these, these other things or, or other apps, it doesn't matter, or tech stuff, they've probably failed multiple times at other things or these investors that think that they've nailed something that's going to be a a massive takeoff and they've lost a lot of money on it. And now they've made it back because they've invested in something else and they learn from why they failed at that investment or they learned at why their app didn't work or they learned at why their restaurant didn't make any, any money or they learned why their bar didn't have enough people in it or they learned, you know, a great, a great guy that's in our world who I had the I had the fortune good fortune of meeting and and actually I'll be on, um, his show, in I don't know what capacity but, um, million dollar listing L A with Josh Altman. Oh no um, way! Yeah, and you know my partner Ryan and I had our, our showed one of his properties to a client of ours, and they did you know some filming for it and like that was really the first time I'd gotten to really hear his story and we're in the same brokerage. So I've gone to some meetings that he's been at and, you know, I, I, I don't claim to know him other than just in passing from doing the show, but the guy like talk about an animal, this guy, like he's getting the, he's the number one real estate agent in LA and it's not because he knows more than anybody else. I'm sure there's some more knowledgeable real estate agents out there than him, but this guy, like, I don't know when he sleeps. He, I listened to him talk and he, he literally just grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds. And he lost everything in the 2009 financial collapse. Like he, he had to build himself completely back up. And yeah, the show I'm sure has now put his business on mainstream and everyone knows who he is and he's the go-to guy to list your, you know, he just had a 70, he just picked up a $78 million listing in LA. Um, so he's the go-to guy now, but that, you know, that's a result and being on the show is a result of, you know, years and years of hard work and day in and day out and then continue, you know, once you have success, it's easy to take your foot off the gas pedal and he, it seems like he's even leaned into it more since having success because he, he wants more success. He wants, he, you know, he craves it and so 
you know, a guy learned from from why he failed in 2009. Now he's the most, you know, the best real, the most profitable real estate agent in Los Angeles. Wow, huh. that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, getting to, getting to meet him was 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 pretty great, and you 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 learn pretty quickly why he's uh, why he's successful. And that's a great thing about our brokerage is we do have a lot of a lot of people. Even like you know Frederick Eklund from uh, Million Dollar Listing New York, like he comes to some of our meetings, and you just listen to the way this guy talks. And it's different than everybody else, and you you get it. Well, what's cool about that is, I mean, you keep on saying like you listen to these guys, and you listen to these guys, and you listen. And in a in a profession where you have to do a lot of the talking, you're talking about doing a lot of listening, right? Yeah. I mean, that's is that something that's that's helped you kind of create um, your early success or something like yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, to to say that I've had like early success, I think is a little premature in both the hockey and the real estate world while I've worked with it you know a lot of people in hockey and while I've you know done decently in my first year of real estate like I'm not by any means like a top producing real estate agent I'm not by any means that like some guy that's done a you know 30 deals in my first year of real estate and I'm also not the number one you know youth hockey brand in the company but I think it 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 goes back to you know liking the way that you do things and liking what you do and I think learning from these people has helped me realize that you know those being you know you know growing as a real estate agent and growing the hockey business and growing as a coach and as a person isn't going to come from you know you you can't you can't grow by yourself. You've got to, you've got to surround yourself with other people that are successful and that have learned and that have done these things. So yeah, listening has been, listening and reading has just been a massive thing for me. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. It's been, it's been a fun ride so far. (laughs) And it's only going to keep going. That's the, that's the hope. (laughs) Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you or if, uh, you know, if you have any social or anything, how can people reach you both on the hockey front, real estate front, or just, the general front. <laughs> sure. I mean, the easiest way to do it is I've, I've got, you know, I, I like to keep them separate from each other. Um, the, the hockey business is called rapid athlete development. Um, our website's under construction right now, but it's uh, radhockey.com, R A D hockey.com. Um, the web, the email address for that is Brett at radhockey.com. Um, on the real estate side of things, uh, my, my, uh, my team leader or my, my, you know, partner in real estate is um, Ryan Shaw, and we're with the with Douglas Elliman. Um, my email for that is Brett at RyanShawHomes.com, and those are probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Um, my social media stuff is uh, is is are, is on there. I have a real estate page, a hockey page, and then my personal, which is just at Brett Beebe, B R E T T B E E B E. Awesome. Well, Brad, this has been an awesome conversation for me. It's it. I don't get uh, too many ex athletes in here, or just athletes in general. So, I really, really enjoyed this. That was fun. It was. Uh, thank you for having me, and hopefully, we can maybe do a follow up down the road when hopefully these things have taken off a little bit more. Let's do it. Let's All definitely right, do it. Hey, thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you. Cool. 